0: Good day, Stu. Good day, Des. Hello, folks. Welcome to the Pragmatics.
1: This is our uh, episode two, Stu. Season one, episode two. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Desmo, you're looking good today. Is that a new shirt? It is a new shirt. It's very nice. You look pretty in pink too. Well, just, uh, searching back to my '80s collection, and I found this shirt. So
0: <laughs> nice job. Nice job. Well, you know, we're going to, uh, I don't know if many of you had, uh, any, uh, time to, uh, look at our introductory episode one, but it's out there and we talk a little bit about, uh, why we're doing this. Uh, and you'll see that, uh, today. And, uh, we do have a guest today. Episode two, we've got a
1: guest. Already? Yeah. It's impressive.
0: Uh, who we've got today is, um, and he'll, he'll be joining us a little bit later on, uh, Rob Driscoll, co-founder of bigmedia.ca. Uh, very, very uh, interesting uh, media platform they have. Uh, and we'll let Rob uh, describe that uh, when he's on. But basically, he's got a a very, very interesting stable of contributors. They're, they're either scientists, uh, engineers... People who have the ability to take um, uh, terrific amounts of uh, complex uh, concepts, data, what have you, and, and bring it into a, a readable uh, and in context, uh, you know, distilled down um, product. Uh, something we're not quite finding, you know, with uh, the media platforms that uh, we're usually getting our... Uh, our feed from, so they're a welcome format, and uh, we'll let Rob do uh, do some talking when
1: we uh, when we get him on uh, on the line here. Yeah, and I think it's great that you've got Rob on today, Des, And and I think to your point and what we've discussed even on episode one, it's an opportunity for us and and those who tune into us to hear fact-based information that is not always easy to source, uh, on the mainstream media, mm-hmm. um, if not impossible a- at some points. Uh, I know Rob's going to set up a couple of topics for us today that are, uh, both contemporary and, and super interesting. And I think, uh, as you said, and and we discussed on the first episode, that's, that's what we hope to do is, is, you know, challenge the, uh, the narrative that's out there and maybe even challenge where people are seeking, that information, get them mm-hmm. to listen to at least for a start an alternative view or consider facts and figures that they maybe have not seen or heard before and in so doing generate a more healthy discussion. I mean that's ultimately what we're we're trying to do here, right? Is educate and inform people that 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 maybe aren't all that interested or enthusiastic about finding it on their own. So mm-hmm. We're going to make it easy for them.
0: Yeah, no, these are, you're right, Stu, these, uh, these subjects that uh, certainly we think that um, the reason why we're bringing them up on the pragmatics and, you know, a, a little note about, you know, what the pragmatics are and, you know, we are uh, pragmatic about things. You and I, uh, that's one of the reasons why we uh, we fleshed out why we wanted to do a little podcast is um, we look at things pragmatically uh, rather than uh, ideologically and, and we're in a world today where uh, ideologues are just running away with things, and of course the consequences of—and uh, we'll talk about that. You know, uh, we've got uh, certainly here in Canada, we have, you know, our governing federal folks are uh, the entire cabinet are made made of activists, and thus we have policy made by activists, um, which has led us to where we are, and we're going to talk about that. Uh, you know things that are dropping right in front of us and affecting us in a big way is uh, the worldwide you know energy global situation that we're in, and uh, we will talk about that uh, uh, you know extensively uh, certainly on this podcast uh, day after day we're we're going through you know an energy situation where um, policy is basically starving uh, what is an abundant. Um, you know, uh, the hydrocarbons that we have here in the world are abundant, and uh, we've scared away uh, the, you know, capital starvation to the point where, you know, there's some scarcity happening now, and uh, it, it shouldn't be. No. We, we have to realize that this transition that uh, certainly the activists want to take us on, um, there's got to be a careful uh, consideration of how we do this because, uh, at, you know, we're going to touch on some of these things, you know taking us to a place where um, at the moment there isn't anything that exists that can replace fossil fuels but we're racing to a place where uh, there are no alternatives so it's forcing us into a you know, absolute uh, energy crisis in some places in the world it is uh, it is a scary place and we'll talk about Europe here uh, as we go along but generally speaking you know what we want to do here is, is talk about the things that we we believe. And we don't say this pejoratively, but, uh, you know, there is some illiteracy on some subject matter. Uh, and it, some of this uh, subject matter is stuff that affects us day to day. So that's why we want to
1: talk about a few of these uh, matters. Yeah, and and uh, Des, I think, you know, what you said is perfect is, as it relates to literacy. And, and I, I wanted to know, you know, we're, we're not against... Activism, right? We, we, we believe that, you know, in its right place, uh, exercised in the right way, activism plays a role in, in our democracy. I, I, I don't doubt that for a moment. What I fear is activism without information and in fact is dangerous. And to your point about ideologues um, and our, you know, governments, without picking any one specific government, um, without That as a backdrop, the facts, the figures, the reality, and maybe some pragmatism. Um, If you let simple, you know, ideas or activism drive the agenda, then, you know, we are where we are and Mm -hmm. we're heading down a very slippery slope. And I think, you know, Rob's going to help inform some of that conversation. I think big media is obviously doing a nice job uh, on their platform. And you mentioned uh, energy. Uh, We're going to talk about healthcare, we're going to talk about climate change, we're going to talk about a lot of things, obviously not all today, but our hope is that as folks get to know you and I, um, they will appreciate our certain brand of, of, um, I guess, humor uh, with seriousness and they're entertained by what we have to say. But more importantly, they learn as they go and hopefully our guests bring, uh, like I said, a, a a different view, if not a different view, um, certainly something that's going to challenge their, you know, their, their thinking.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's good to note here that uh, the pragmatics here, we have, uh, we're available on two platforms uh, on social media. We have uh, a Twitter account and a LinkedIn account. What's what we want to do with those is, you know, when we're talking about certain subjects and we're quoting this or that, we want to be able to throw those sources up there so you know we're, we're not just pulling these right out of our arse you know <laughs> we're going to have uh, you know things that we're talking about if we're, we're talking about information or data we want to be able to uh, uh, get that out there so people can uh, uh, look at the data we're looking at and uh, properly uh, understand that uh, it, it had a source uh, and the source was
1: uh, you know credible yeah yeah and importantly um, on the data piece and on the guest piece, because you and I have talked about this at length, you know the the guests that we bring on are not necessarily going to hold um, the same view as you and I on on subjects. Um, we don't profess to be subject matter experts on all of our topics. As a matter of fact, there's there's a great many of them where we are not going to be the subject matter experts. But we want to bring folks on that are, and even potentially challenge our views. And we hope to get a real healthy debate because we think that that's how we all. Uh, improve and and as you have talked about critical thinking a lot uh in the last several years and i think you know through challenge we, we we are uh forced to be more critical both of our own thoughts but but also those that you know that are challenging ours so mm-hmm. yeah and and that's what we hope to bring with the guests that we have you know lined up over the next several episodes you bet and probably good time to to,
0: to talk about this and we did mention this in in episode one and you know our our uh, our viewership is just skyrocketing, so we can. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, we're we're up to so you, me, Carol, Jen, we're four now. So that's right.
0: <laughs> and it's not bad.
1: It's coming. It's
0: coming. But the the issue here, uh, you know, for for the audience, um, we both come from different uh, different professional backgrounds. Uh, I come primarily from the resource and energy uh, industry. So I'm very intimate with uh, uh, certainly with the the uh, the makeup of the uh, global energy and uh, uh, the systems that are in place to deliver what is quite a energy hungry world at the moment, and we're we're seeing it in colors. Uh, Stu, so mention a little bit about your uh, professional background. Background.
1: Yeah. So the vast majority of my <coughs> professional background, at least for the last quarter century, has been in healthcare on the supplier side managing. Uh, both pharmaceutical as well as medical device companies here in Canada, all affiliates of larger organizations based in either the U.S. or in Europe. So um, my particular, I guess, level of expertise or experience is in, um, like I said, supply side. Uh, But it does give me a view to the importance of um, things like uh, availability of drugs, access and reimbursement for drugs, medical device uh, surgeries here in this Canada, in this country, particularly under a public system. So, when we get to healthcare, Des, I know there will be healthy discussion, if not debate. Um, you know whether we start at the Canada Health Act and what that means for the average Canadian, or we talk about. Like I said, access and uh, availability of of affordable drugs and and medical device. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's that's uh, that's my background, buddy.
0: Well, I hope uh, that gives you guys uh, listening a, a bit of an idea where we're coming from. And and I think, uh, you know, when we started to talk and develop this idea for the podcast, uh, uh, we thought that we had access, uh, either professionally, uh, you know, uh, business associates or, or people from our industry that, that we we both commonly have uh, access to, we thought it would be a, uh, a terrific format to bring on some of these, like, like you mentioned earlier, these, uh, you know, subject matter experts. Um, I think you're going to enjoy uh, the guests that we do bring on over the course of uh uh th- these episodes and this is a good time to uh introduce our guest to we've uh got uh, Rob Driscoll here joining us uh, electronically uh you're you're in Vancouver at the moment
2: uh Rob Yes Kitsilano BC 5 blocks from the beach
0: Nice okay well Rob Driscoll he is the co-founder of bigmedia.ca we talked a little bit earlier about uh, big media but we'd like to have Rob uh, uh, jump in here and, and talk about uh, why you felt it was important to to develop a, a news platform, a media platform uh, like big, big media. Rob, go ahead.
2: Well, thanks for the invitation, gentlemen. I appreciate the opportunity. I think uh, it's really important that we elevate the dialogue in terms of all the issues that uh, we're about to discuss, um, including climate change, pandemics, uh, energy security, all of these things are vitally important to our lives and and frankly a lot of us in fact I would say the majority of us just want to float through life without thinking and without knowing and therefore the bad guys take the reins and take control and so uh, big media is a a media organization that was built to uh, just as as they say elevate the conversation we are covering all the big issues. That's why we called it big media. And uh, we're doing it with uh, world-class data scientists, people who don't have anything to prove. They have already risen to the, the top of their fields, and they are just really intelligent folks who know how to write. Those are the people I recruited, and they tackle stories like what I just mentioned with uh, a level of accuracy and integrity that, frankly, is, is not available in the mainstream media. And uh, I ha- haven't seen it anywhere in the alternative media world either. And uh, when I say something so boastful, uh, I know it immediately has a lot of people saying, oh, who the F is this guy? <laughs> and and I, I love that. I want you to look at our site and actually try to prove us wrong. We say, I say, we're the most accurate news source on the planet. Um, I would love to see other news organizations held to account. I would love to see us held to account. If anybody finds our coverage to be flawed in in any way, I will not only uh, say thank you for the feedback. I'll publish it. I'll say, oops, we screwed up and uh, everybody listening. Here's the truth. That's what it's all about. It's about truth and integrity. That's why I started big media. I could see that, uh, the politicians, the medical officials, and above all the mainstream media organizations were operating without integrity and, uh, spreading misinformation that was causing, uh, awful consequences. Uh, and those consequences we can talk about a little bit later. And it it, it is literally life and death.
0: So what do you, what do you think uh, motivated, um, uh, some of these, these institutions or, uh, you know, people in, in seats of uh, somewhat, you know, power, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, the Theresa Tams of, of, of Canada or, or the, the Fauci's of the U.S., what, what's the motivation, do you think, to, you know, bring the public along in the manner they did? You know, because, the, the, you know, uh, Walensky there, the CDC chief there just in the last few days, came out and, and basically did a mea culpa, you know, said we, we, we said some things that were wrong, uh, we can pull out the quote, but uh, I saw it the other day and, and uh, you know, they've got uh, she was apologizing for the, the, the amount of uh, information that was improperly uh, fed into the, uh, the, the U.S. population. What, what do you think the motivation is?
2: Well, I think it's a really tough one to pin down. A lot of times the politicians who are obviously directly connected to the medical officials um, in numerous ways. Um, sometimes they're just looking to please the voters, right? And, and sometimes they're looking to please the people who support their campaigns. It's, it's really hard to tell. We'll never really know what drives them, but we must hold them accountable. Um, and I don't pick political party. I never have, and I never will. I, some people in my network would be ashamed or would be annoyed to hear me say this, but I've, I've voted for all major political parties in Canada. And I tell my kids all the time, never hit your cart to a certain political party. Make them earn your vote every time. Hold them accountable. Don't vote for them unless they deserve it. I have voted for Jack Layton's NDP. I have voted for Stephen Harper's Conservatives. I voted for, I think it was Paul Mart. Anyway, I voted, I voted for all three parties, but I will never say I'm a liberal or I'm a conservative. I can say I'm fiscally conservative, but I will never affiliate myself or my media organization with a particular political party. And I think any media company do, that does that is immediately saying that they don't have the integrity uh, and, and are therefore not worth your time in investing as a reader or a viewer. So back to your question about what what drives them. It, there are so many different factors. It's, it's impossible to tell, but accountability is important. And yes, there are some people who are being outed, if you will, uh, the chickens are coming home to roost. And, and we're seeing a lot of media organizations and politicians uh, shown for what they are frauds. Uh, and essentially, they they ran with it, they, they enjoyed the power that came with all the fear and the shock and, and, uh, you know, and I'm, while I say that, we're talking about COVID in a way here we're talking about climate change. Uh, all of these things are you know, we're if you go to big-media.ca, you're not going to see us denying that humans have involvement in climate change. You're not going to see us say that covid is a hoax or that it's not a terrible virus. It's a, it's an awful virus and it's affected a lot of good friends of mine. I know this. Um, but the truth was there for us, the politicians knew the context well before it came out. And many, many young people in in terms of the COVID pandemic, many young people have died because we kept going with a narrative that simply wasn't the truth. And so uh, it is literally life and death when you have terrible media coverage, when you have terrible irresponsible government officials making announcements that are, they know they're wrong. They know they are playing a particular side and they're not putting things in perspective. They're causing panic. They're shutting down a society which has tremendous uh, effects, maybe unintended consequences, but people die. When When you stifle people's lifestyles, the people who are vulnerable end up having great hardship and our data has shown that yeah a lot more young people died from the restrictions than old people died from covid like the lockdowns and, you're saying and, 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 as
0: in restrictions right
2: yeah so that's that's in in a nutshell that's what the data says now y- you can't draw a clear correlation between or causation between um, you know what exactly caused those people to die but if you look at the data on our on our site provided by uh, the analysis is provided by my business partner, Lori Weston. Um, it's, she's an amazing data scientist, incredibly logical, didn't have, as I say, any ax to grind, just went out and told the story. And that story says that a lot of people age 20 to 64 died from stress-related causes of death, uh, much more than people who died of COVID. And that simply has been buried in the news. It's finally starting to come out. We we published that story months ago, and it's now just starting to leak out.
0: And and who 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 is who's tackled that uh, in more of the mainstream uh, platforms? Who who's tackled that uh, subject here re- recently?
2: Well, the Telegraph just ran a story that that had a couple of experts talking about the large number of excess deaths uh, that are not related to COVID and. It's nice to see that Um, most of the mainstream media outlets have stubbornly refused to uh, accept what actually good science has come up with. And and I I can't really speculate as to what the reasons for their stubborn refusal is. But uh, and it could be ego. It could be uh, the advertising revenue that is at risk if they if they, you know, admit that they're wrong. It's just maybe editorial credibility. I don't know what they're worried about. But it's time for them to admit they blew it. You should never pick sides. When you're a media organization, you should actually be covering all sides of the story. And and I don't know if you guys noticed it, but <laughs> that's all but gone the way of the dodo bird. I I haven't seen any COVID media reports that are even close to being fair in the mainstream media. And uh, until I saw this Telegraph report, and and it's it's I mean it's. Disappointing, but it's also why I started uh, Big Media because I I knew that we needed at least one trustworthy source of news on the big issues.
0: Yeah, Stu. I mean, you and I uh, have talked, uh, you know, uh, through the whole pandemic and the lockdowns of, of certain uh, you know heavy restrictions, and then lightened up, and then heavy again. We've talked about it, and you know, one of the things that 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 I know we've discussed on this, you know. People like, you know, probably the three of us on this call right now, I mean, I don't worry about uh, uh, your, your delicate uh, uh, mental uh, situation. I, you're, you're a solid guy. I'm a solid guy. I know, Rob, you are too. I mean, we can handle this kind of, um, you know, if you want to call it, overreach. I mean, we can we can find our way. We're, we're comfortable being alone. We're comfortable being our, with our families. And if we're in a lockdown situation, it's not going to, it's not going to affect us mentally, but there are people before the pandemic that may have been, uh, for one reason or another, you know, a little more mentally fragile. And then you start ta- uh, taking these lockdowns to the, the you know, heavy restrictions they were. I mean, you got to think uh, that, uh, you know, it was going to create some, some really, um, you know, dangerous situations with c- certain people, uh, you know, not
1: being able to handle that. Uh, yeah, Des, I don't think we've seen the, the full impact or manifestation of the lockdown even close yet. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think there's obviously some of the um, acute elements that maybe, Rob, you're, you're, you're talking about and that we're seeing in the data now. But I think the long-term impact of a two-year lockdown on people, relationships, whether it be individuals, couples, etc., Will really start to manifest in in the years to come, mm-hmm. and it'll be very interesting to see if the media reports on that. You know, the, the, the funny thing is, and and Rob, you see it probably every day as well if you still watch mainstream media. You know that, you know, each of the two national broadcasters still has their you know doctor on almost every night, telling the story and and reminding us that the pandemic isn't over and. Um, you know, be aware and, you know, wash your hands and sanitize and wear a mask if you need to. You know, the whole mask on an airplane thing is you know, scientifically ridiculous, right? Um, you know, you you, you, could, you you can wear it. I took a four-hour flight from Calgary to, to Toronto and, you know, you got to have a mask getting on and a mask getting off. You can take it off to sip, uh, you know, coffee or eat your, your sandwich because apparently, you know, COVID can't spread in under 12 minutes or whatever they allow you to eat your sandwich. So, you know, mm-hmm. there, there's just a, a whole bunch of silly outside of the data itself, um, and I think, Des, you've heard me say it before, you know, the, the, the one thing that amazed me through the pandemic, and if there was ever a question about who is the most compliant society uh, in the world or population, it's Canada. Like, up until the very, very end, you know, the, the, the trucker convoy, which we're probably not going to get into today, but, you know, were you not amazed, Des or Rob, just how compliant Canadians mm-hmm. were? I don't know if the facts are are accurate but I've heard it quoted many times that n- no no public school system in the world was shut out more than Ontario.
2: Yeah, I I was absolutely shocked not not just on the larger scale but in my own communities how many people just as soon as they heard any government announcement acted like that was fact. And and again this is at the root of why i started big media I, uh, one of the pivotal stories was i was talking to a volleyball friend in in uh, april of 2020 and and uh, he was telling me how he he was not letting his children out of the house because he was so scared that they were going to get covid and i started I, like i'm a news hound i've always been watching the news and i knew that covid was essentially attacking people with bad lungs and bad hearts and and essentially average 80 close to 80 years old and and that there was a very specific um uh, well there were a number of specific telltale signs about who's at risk and so i started telling him this and just saying that your kids aren't at significant risk and outside there's no there's no harm being outside they need to breathe fresh air (laughs) you lock them upside uh I was I was telling my friend that that the the worst thing to do is lock your children up inside and that they need to get out and breathe fresh air and that they're not going to get COVID and if they do they'll be fine and uh he just wouldn't believe me and and so then I went I went to my computer and wrote a story talking about after doing a quick check of alberta government uh, data and i said out of 4.1 million people or 4.4 million people there are currently 44 people in hospital i think this was early april of 2020 44 people in hospital with covid-19 not 44,000 not 4400 44 people and and then and i said of course we need to You know, nobody wants to get sick with this thing. It's real. You got to, you got to stay away from people and you know, sure. Wash your hands. is going to help. But, uh, it from everything I've seen, we just need to educate people and protect the vulnerable. That's all we have to do. So I wrote that post published it on LinkedIn and it was going viral. And I was, I was getting attacked by people all over the world. And I was getting accolades from people all over the world, just kudos saying wow, it's so nice to actually hear someone speaking truth. And the people who were attacking me were saying things like, my family, I have two kids who have asthma. You could literally be killing them by writing this. And I (laughs) I would just say, no, I'm not. I'm just actually trying to help people keep things in perspective. And yes, you know, your kids have compromised lungs. They should stay away from people. But it doesn't mean we should shut down our entire society because some people are at risk here. And, and anyway, that, that post as it's getting, and it's still the by far the highest read post I've had, it, it got deleted by LinkedIn. And, and then I wrote another post a week later that talked about how at that time there were 4.1 hospitals for every one person in hospital with COVID-19. And I'm talking about hospitals that offer acute care services so i i write these posts they get massive readership and then they got deleted and um and of course i'm getting attacked by all kinds of people but i'm i took a pledge long ago that i would not attack someone personally no matter what they said to me and and uh, so i would just always respond with logic and point out that i'm not making up these numbers this this is alberta government data you can check it yourself here's the link and then eventually people would calm down and stop yelling all these crazy things. So that's that, these are the scenarios that led to me launching Big Media. But it it also s- speaks to the idea that we are you know facing some major challenges in terms of censorship and and uh, as you say people who are um, just simply going to go with whatever the government or the medical officials say and and not question them and unfortunately there's there's a large segment of our population who are not critical thinkers they might call themselves critical thinkers but they are clearly not and they actually just want to have the chains around them and be told what to do and the bad guys are taking advantage of that now. So elections are being won because, and if, if anybody's seen the movies or uh, docudrama or documentaries of the the big hack and uh, the social dilemma, you you see those, you'll you get a better idea of how the bad guys are winning elections and getting rich because of our uninformed populace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that it's so important that we push each other to push the people around us to become educated. Um, it's, it, it is so um, harmful to have a populace that is, is misinformed and, and go ahead. Des.
1: No, sorry, sorry, Rob. I didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt you. You're on a, you're on a roll there, but, but I do have a question for you because first of all, you know we, we love what you're doing. Thanks for joining us. You know your timing is awesome and your endeavor is is admirable. And Des and I have talked about it. I think we've been kicked out of more than our share of, of cocktail parties trying to bring, you know, facts <laughs> and figures and, and and the truth to 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 folks. You know whether it's climate change, energy, COVID, whatever the whatever the topic may be. Um, and as as Jack Nicholson said, as as Nathan Jessup in A Few Good Men. You know, you can't handle the truth, right? I mean, it, how do you do it in such a way that people actually, one, are open to hearing the truth and digest it? I mean, those would be the first two steps, of course. And then get to a point where they're actually seeking the truth uh, in ways that are um, meaningful and impactful. Because, again, we, we've been kicked out of more than our share of, of parties,
2: yeah, I think that's a great question. And, and it's something that I, I struggle with every day, but I do believe that the approach that um, we've taken is, is the way to do it, where we don't uh, get into the gutter with people. We don't, we don't insult them. We don't aim to humiliate them. You can hear it in my voice that it, I'm obviously very passionate about it. And I, I pull a lot of my hair out and it's becoming very quickly gray because of all these things that are happening. But what I've realized is that most people will listen eventually uh, if they're exposed to the truth. And unfortunately, uh, our, our media uh, organizations are letting people down, our politicians are letting people down. So there's a lot of reason for people to not have any clue uh, what the truth is, because they, they're just never exposed to it in their daily lives. So if you're told every day that, hey, everything's okay, just, just keep doing what you're doing and everything's fine, um, you know, that I, I can't blame those people. But those of us who do think a little bit beneath the surface, who can see these very disturbing trends that have been uh, happening over the last few years, um, we need to act. And, I, and so I act, uh, I started the media company. I, I spend a lot of time every day responding to people online and whenever i see a hateful post and and again it's it's not i don't pick a a side i i have right-wing political people who are furious with me every day and left-wing crazies uh who are furious with me every day and i i challenge all of them whenever they say something really hateful i i just will say well hey you know I, i see I think it works uh, better. It's more effective to actually uh, work with logic and data instead of uh, name calling. So here's a story that we wrote on big media that, that should give you some really good information for your argument. And then they read that and they stop. And they don't just stop that argument. I watch them and their future posts on LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter, their future communication is much more responsible people just need to be challenged. So the intelligent people out there, it's not okay just to let those people at the, you guys, you got kicked out of dinner parties. That's important. We need to get kicked out of dinner parties. We need to speak our minds. We can't just let people blindly walk into the chaos that is ahead if we continue to let the bad guys run the operation.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah, that, that's great, Rob. As an extension to that question, though, you know, they they say the opposite of of love is not hate; it's apathy. And you, you started by saying, you know, there's there's a great deal, you know, maybe the majority of the population kind of floating through life, you know, just blissfully. And and you know, ha- have you had an opportunity where you've you've engaged the apathetic, and 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 if you had success there,
2: <laughs> yeah. And I try not to say it all the time, but I, I've said it to some of my close friends that uh, you know, you guys put the pathetic in app. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. and, uh, and and so that usually gets their attention. But um, I, I've also written about apathy and how harmful it is to our society, and and there are some people who are just not capable of deep thought and and those people i that's fine and and maybe that's a blessing <laughs> to, yeah. to actually not be able to think beneath the surface and just <laughs> go with the flow however some of us actually really care about the direction of our society and uh, you know the world that my our children and our grandchildren are going to inherit i care about it deeply so i fight for it every day and i don't want the climate alarmist to fill their pockets with gold well we ruin the world and hand the keys to the Saudis and the Russians. I want our society to be realistic. I don't want the conversation about climate change to be so simple-minded that you have what I believe is about 60% of people that I talk to think that humans caused climate change, which is so ridiculously impossible. Um, and then, you also have a lot of people who think that people that that humans have caused most of climate change and and a lot of them don't even understand that most of North America was covered by a, a sheet of ice two kilometers thick for, you know, for a long period of time and that we're damn lucky that there's climate change. Otherwise, you know, we, we wouldn't be cutting grass, we'd be, uh, we'd be living in England. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's important to actually uh, proverbially well metaphorically slap people in the face and and just help them understand basic facts and and i i can't stand when i hear it but i hear it all too often that everybody's got their own truth bullshit pardon the language guys but never um, never heard that word actually there (laughs) there are (laughs) there are certain fundamental facts that we have to accept in our society and and uh, there are certain things like if if I'm walking along a mountain cliff and I step off, I know that my life is going to be over. And if we're going to walk into a traffic intersection, the laws of physics say that we're probably going to end it there too. We we always are operating on the understanding of certain facts, and so there there are facts, uh, and we can't allow the people who just want to believe whatever they want to believe to to all of a sudden change. Uh, obvious underlying facts to suit their agenda without being challenged. So we, we need to challenge people. We need to challenge the intelligent people in our networks to not be apathetic anymore and, and actually take a little time to challenge people um, if they know what's going on in terms of just, uh, let's say scientists, for example. We know they're great scientists. Uh, we know they're ethical scientists. And we, are also, we also know that there are scientists that are funded by uh, organizations that just produce whatever science is going to make the money. Um, we know this and there are also scientists who who above all just want to be heard so they'll say whatever the journalists uh, who will interview them will want them to say and and so that's I, I want people to understand that facts can be tested that so when big media writes an article we cite every shred of data and we show you where we got it go check it out. Mm-hmm. It's real data. Now, obviously, there can be some flaws in the collection of the data, but by and large, the government data that we're dealing with from uh, World Health Organization, CDC, the U.S. Uh, governments and, you know, state governments, Canada and the, the provincial governments, generally, they have integrity. I, I have. We've been looking at it carefully and generally the data has integrity. But, But the words around the data that's where we're falling short. So you have uh, the World Health Organization and CDC, for example, I I think it still probably says something on their website about how the tremendous number of excess deaths in the pandemic are because of COVID and lack of access to medical services. Well, that is flat out wrong. It's not the truth and that needs to be challenged. And so anyway, that's a really long way to say that Apathy is indeed our enemy and we need to fight it and yeah. push our friends to actually fight it as well.
0: And, you know, you just touched on that, that CDC uh, situation right there. And uh, I, I've got the quote that uh, came from uh, Rochelle Walensky, which is the uh, the director of uh, CDC. And just the other day uh, in an interview, she said, uh, to be frank, we are responsible for some pretty dramatic and pretty public mistakes from testing to data, to communications. Mm-hmm. So you know this is, and, and this is what happens when you get a pile on of, um, of you know either dishonesty by omission, which happens in data, right? When when they, they look at data sets and what have you, and you, you form a, a a narrative by by cherry picking data to to uh, support your your, uh, your your narrative or what have you. I mean, here's a situation where we're two and a half years past the start of the pandemic. And they behaved in a certain way. Uh, we've talked about how uh, media has—I uh, mean—they've been guilty of just cultivating cultivating mushrooms because uh, they've kept us away from from dealing with the data uh, in a responsible way, and uh, have loaded onto these these narratives. And here you have the the director of the CDC actually apologizing because there's no way out you know, it's, it's all been called on now, right now, well, now. Sorry. And I was going to say that, uh, now we've got, uh, Dr. Fauci, you know, she, he's, he's put an end. He's retiring from, uh, from his role at the, uh, the NIH. And, uh, I think they're all starting to scatter now.
2: Well, it and it's, it's happening because enough of us have actually called them on, on the, the BS and, and there's nothing more important than that. And there's nothing more important than being informed. And, and uh, I know a lot of us just want our kids to grow up and be happy, but uh, uh, the, their future truly depends on being educated. Uh, because if they're one of the group of, as they said in the social dilemma, I think it was the, the persuadables,
3: mm-hmm. uh,
2: the roughly 35% of people who just, you can influence very easily with a little bit of misinformation or targeted marketing. Um, those people are, are essentially allowing the bad guys to to rule the world. Now, um, if we can just push the education and actually stop the CDC from saying garbage like that, and, and it, it's a really encouraging sign that they're, they're recognizing that. And more and more, we'll see that over the next year or two, that uh, people come out and say, oops, we blew it. Um, Mm -hmm. a lot of them will fight very hard and we see it in Canada all the time they fight very hard to not make it look like they blew it and that that their overreaction caused the I I mean indirectly um, uh, some awful awful consequences including uh, way too many uh, deaths of young people Mm -hmm. Um, and and so now with this uh, growing recognition that our media and politicians have let us down. Um, I feel it's, it's a a great opportunity for an organization like us to actually help provide facts. Um, I'm hoping that, uh, people who hear this podcast will check us out, um, and realize that they can actually be part of something really important. Um, I, I respond to every one of our readers who, who sends a message and, and uh, it doesn't take very long, but um, we, we appreciate feedback, negative, positive story ideas. We, we listen to all of it and we are going global with this news platform and it's really exciting. And I've just brought on a whole bunch of journalists from all over the world, um, Nigeria, Peru, London, uh, New Zealand, Australia, all over the place, who are going to be writing for my little startup news organization and who understand um, data and understand that we are not spinning the stories. We are, we are doing investigation and then uh, reporting logically and factually what the information tells us. We never go into it with a theory, which I think is a big problem with modern day journalism is that Uh, You know, they have a story meeting, an editorial meeting, and everybody's coming up with great ideas about a story that will get massive readership. It's not about education. I've been in those meetings. It's not about education. It's about maximizing eyeballs so that the advertisers can be happy or so that the editor is happy and you get a raise or whatever.
1: Mm -hmm. That's right. That's why we think, you know, your endeavor is admirable. Your timing is perfect, Rob. Um, we should we, we should guide our listenership to uh, to big media um, before this public health and politicians get a hold of monkeypox and it becomes the next reason for a global lockdown.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We just did a story on monkeypox actually, and I think the headline was something like "Don't worry about it." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, but no, it, it's 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 another example of uh, uh, something that is. Uh, you know, dangerous to a very, you know, small demographic and, and that needs to pay attention to it. But, you know, it's also something that is not a major physical threat to our lives. So, yeah.
1: yeah, And and with that, Des and I have said this before, we, we, we don't, you know, uh, we try not to, you know, undermine or minimalize, you know, whether it's monkeypox COVID, of course, which which has killed, what, six million people now. So we, we, we don't minimize it or marginalize it. We, we, like you, Rob, just want to put things in in the proper context and bring facts to help, you know, color the narrative in a, in a meaningful way. So mm-hmm. I wasn't beating up on monkeypox.
2: Yeah, no, I just thought I'd throw it in there to get yeah. give people another reason to check out our site.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah, great. It's great. And,
0: you know, we should say uh, the, the the proper URL is big dash media.ca am i correct?
2: Yes, thanks for that, Des.
0: Yeah, no problem. Uh, before we bring it to an end, uh, uh, what I what I find uh, valuable in in Big Media and what have you is the is the stable of uh, contributors and, and writers and and really their credential background. Can you can you give us a, a a minute or two on on the stable of uh, you know quality contributors that you have amassed?
2: Yeah, and that's what it's all about. Uh, I recognized early on after the, the one story where I analyzed that incredibly complicated mathematical formula of dividing the number of hospitals by the number of patients, I, I quickly found out that I needed people smarter than me to actually do the level of analysis that I, I was looking for. And so I, um, I thankfully ran into Lori Weston who, is the smartest person i've ever met and uh has a beautiful heart and a beautiful brain and her writing on uh COVID and climate change is I, I truly believe it's completely unrivaled and and then we've got brad hayes who's a doctor of geology and uh an entrepreneur and educator and this guy is you know not just a, an, in the oil and gas industry he's also an expert in water management and geothermal and hydro like this guy is incredibly brilliant and he is someone who does not deny that humans are having an impact but he puts it in context and and for my money has it is the best in the business at at helping us think uh practically about uh, what needs to happen with energy transition Mm -hmm. instead of just Throwing out the ridiculous emissions targets without having a plan behind it, which is has become uh, North American political policy. Uh, uh, it's we've we've seen too much of that. Um, and then Brian Russell, this guy is a world-renowned entrepreneur. His his software uh, with his partner is is at you know a lot of the major oil and gas producers. It's standard operating for him and he's writing for us on a regular basis Uh, absolutely brilliant people who who know how to write uh lee hunt is one of our key people again another world-renowned scientist who reached the very top of his industry and and has a good heart and wants to educate people and and he actually had a story that we just published today on wicked problems And, and so uh, Lee is not only a, a brilliant geophysicist, but he's a novelist and a philosopher, and and really helps us get beneath the surface on these stories. Oliver Kuhn, another amazing writer, Kevin Buron, uh, who is uh, he used to be a partner at the largest law firm in the world, and then he stepped out and and did his own thing, and and. Uh, his he's another guy. He used to be a structural engineer, then got bored, and then became a lawyer, and then got recruited to be a partner at uh, Dentons. And uh, he's just he's a he's like a hundred times smarter than me, and I, and I don't think I'm dumb. And uh, he takes issues like the Emergencies Act and and COVID challenges, like restriction challenges, and um, things that really matter to us on in the legal world, and and puts it in perspective and all of these people accuracy is vitally important to them and we've got a whole bunch of other writers including uh, a couple that we just brought on as I mentioned from countries uh wide and far and uh you're going to see a lot more of the content and it's always going to be at journalism at the highest level
0: excellent well that's what I've uh you know once i became a subscriber to uh, big media i've i've really enjoyed the uh, the breadth of uh, professionalism and the expertise that you've you have amassed there uh, it really is a uh, a terrific source of uh, of material and uh, obviously uh, much of it uh, you know very very salient and and timely um I guess this is the time where we'll uh, we'll definitely say that uh, we're going to have you back uh, from time to time, Rob. I think the uh, the subject matter that we want to touch on is uh, uh, is clearly going to be the same kind of content that, that you're covering at Big Media. Uh, I'd like to ask is there is there an opportunity that we can have maybe uh, some of your your scientific or legal or or engineering. Uh, Uh, folks that write for you is maybe an invitation can be brought in uh, where we can have them as a guest as well
2: yeah uh, all of the people i just mentioned and and that's only a you know a quarter of the team that we have i could speak for hours about my my our team and uh uh above all they they want to educate people (laughs) they don't need like these people don't need to make the tiny little bit of freelance money that we pay them it it, they're doing it out of the goodness of their heart and because they like to educate people and uh, so when you compare this group against the mainstream media journalists a lot of them are really good at quoting experts but they aren't smart enough to actually cover and smart's the wrong word they could be really smart but they aren't experts in in science, in data, so they can't do it. So that said, they would, I bet you most, if not all, would love to chat with you and and help educate your audience uh, at a level that, again, is above my brain level, um, but is, uh, they are all able to talk about these issues in a way that we can understand.
1: That'd be, that'd be great, Rob. We'll, We'll pay them with our, um, uh, our our typical honorarium with which is a bottle of uh, Okanagan
2: wine. So, oh, you know it's what a, the writers it's... the writers I know will appreciate that a lot. <laughs>
0: right, all right. Well, terrific, Rob. Hey, thanks again for uh, uh, you know we talked about this for a while. I'm glad you were able to spend some time with us today. And uh, we're going to tell our listeners that we're we'll we'll probably see you again here uh, when when time is right and subject matter is uh, is of substance and and timeliness.
2: Anytime, Thank fellas. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks, Rob. Okay, take care. You too.
1: Well, Stu, what did you think of uh, that interview we just had with Rob? I loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, not, not only is is Rob a, you know, wonderfully articulate guy who's doing something that I know I said a few times I think is admirable and his timing is is wonderful, um, but the fact that our values are aligned and we're trying to do the same thing, right? Just, just educate people and challenge conventional narratives.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, you know, really the message, I think, uh, that you probably got out of uh, Rob and the reasons why he put uh, put his media uh, company together and why we're doing this is we really think, you know, we're being led uh, improperly by, by many of the media platforms. Um, you know, the, the, certainly the mainstream medias of, uh, you know, I'm, we talked earlier, uh, you know, off air about, uh, you know, uh, the different... Uh, media outlets, whether you're talking about a CNN or a CBC or a Fox or what have you, um, you know, and the apathy, you know, coupled with the apathy, you know, if, if you're, if, if you're, you're watching one or, uh, one or two of those types of, and, and you're feeling comfortable because there's nothing to think about. And Rob even mentioned that, you know, you're traveling through life without, uh, uh, having to think about anything. It, 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 there might be a little bit of a comfort in that. That isn't a comfort for me. I'll tell you that personally. I don't think it is with, with you either. I think if you, uh, if you hear something coming from a, uh, an authority, uh, like a, you know, a CBC or a CNN or what have you, and you know
1: it's just plain wrong. Um, then you got to well, challenge it. You got to challenge I, it. But I I, I I think that's one of the issues is that the vast majority is, as Rob pointed out, of people floating through the world feeling pretty good about it um, don't know necessarily what's right or wrong when they're hearing it. And that's what he's trying to do. And that's why I asked the question, how, how do you engage those people and get them to at least acknowledge that there may be an alternative view or there may be facts that they're missing, or as you say, Des, all the time, you know, there, the, there, there's guilt by omission, right? There's just things that you're not hearing that maybe you should hear. So, yeah. and, and that's, that's why I think it's, it's you know, part of our mandate, you know, on this podcast and, and our personal and individual responsibilities, like I said, when we're at cocktail parties, to to sort of d- drive the narrative and challenge people to think a little bit deeper. Um, because, sure, you can talk about Netflix episodes and Game of Thrones all night. Sounds fun. Nobody gets hurt. You know, pick your favorite character. But but what is it really doing as it relates to advancing, you know, our, our, our broader knowledge of what's going on around us? And Rob said it a few times, and and, and it wasn't lost on me. About his kids, and the kind of world we're we're leaving our kids, mm-hmm. because floating through blissfully I- I- is going to damage, you know, the planet, the economies, and and ultimately all of us. Mm-hmm. So, and and I think of it uh,
0: as well uh, with, with the the perspective of our kids as well, because um, uh, for obvious reasons. But I, what I really worry about is how far down the line. Have, has our society
1: uh, taken this before it can be rescued and brought back? You know what I'm saying? Um, one listener at a time, man. <laughs> like, I mean, honestly, I, I mean it, right? You, you, you can't underestimate the, the, the power of the individual, mm-hmm. right? I mean, it, it, and Rob referred to the bad guys a number of times, right? You have ostensibly one bad man impacting the planet right now. So one good man can, or good woman, or good person, um, or whatever. Well, he's whatever not pro- the only one, but he sure is taking the lead here recently. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he, certainly, uh, he certainly in the lead is right. But, but the point being, you know, whatever pronoun you want to use, um, individuals make a difference.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm glad you uh, threw that out there and we were able to gnaw on that for a little bit.
1: Yeah, well, you know what, we're trying to challenge uh, people to think.
0: Yeah, so. and you know this brings us to the time of uh, our episode that uh, we promised you in episode one, and I know all of you heard that uh, that episode. It was it's it's probably on uh, replay, but uh, this is where we have a little fun. We talk about uh, every episode. We we feature a BC or an Okanagan wine that we like, and today Stu, I'll give you you're uh, you're your handling the bottle there. Well, yeah, tell the folks I'm, what
1: I'm, we're gonna. What we're gonna try out today? I'm just I'm just checking it for temperature right now, Des. But what we're gonna dig into today is uh, from one of our I think I speak for your family and mine favorite vineyards here in the valley called Quail's Gate, which mm-hmm. is a Stewart family I think third generation vineyard. Uh, we're kicking open a old vine Foch. Yeah. So, um, why don't you educate on the foche, and I'll I'll give us a pour.
0: Well, you know uh, the little bit I, I've I've uh, I've learned about the uh, especially at Quail's Gate because um, they brought over this foche uh, these vines from Europe some years back, and um, and and they're quite certainly around this area. They're 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 rare now, or or very infrequently uh, uh, seen. But uh, Quails Gate have done a a, a real nice uh, job of uh, bringing this old old vine vo- foche to uh, to what it is. We tried this probably what uh, in the last couple three years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, we're big fans. Uh, Stu's just poured us a, a you know a big big gulp sized.
1: Uh Cheers, buddy. Cheers, man. Here's to uh, season one episode two. Yeah. Let's, let's throw back the foche. Tell the tell the folks what we think. Yeah. Okay. Almost. Here we go. Here we go. Ah,
0: delightful. Anyway, the reason why we bring up uh, a bottle of wine that that we like and feature it here on the episode is uh, we're surrounded by uh, uh, beauty, uh, vineyards, and uh, we believe that uh, not all of them are terrific, but there are some gems, and uh, this is one of them. So uh, you'll see on our Twitter and uh, LinkedIn page, you'll see uh, some of the things we talked about today. And you'll see a a photo of this uh, this bottle. So if you're uh, uh, willing to try it out, it is the Quails Gate
1: Old Vine Foch. This is a 2020. They have multiple, um, I guess, extensions of this. They have some reserves. They've got a nice library collection. Um, this is a, a fruit forward blast of of goodness, I think, Des and and. For those of you who like fruity Okanagan wines, I, 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 we think you'll dig this. Yeah, Stu, what did that? Uh, what, what does that cost about? Ooh, that's a good question. This particular bottle does, I think, was about twenty-eight dollars, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Yeah. Now their, their libraries and and reserves go up a little bit, you know. But I think even even the reserves and libraries you can get for you know fifty or thereabouts. Mm-hmm. I think well worth it. Terrific. And the other. Uh, Item
0: that brings us to the end of the uh, the episode, uh, we promised everybody that uh, we'd uh, we'd do an out as as the uh, episode comes to an end. We'll we'll pick a tune that has meant something to us from our youth.
1: And uh, Stu, tell us about this tune and what it, what uh, it meant to you. Geez, Des. Um, well, th- this tune is from. One of our favorite bands from, uh, from our youth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand this band was just in Toronto, playing with a few other classics uh, from the 80s, Loverboy and Ario's Speedwagon. Uh, it has a new front man, or, or I guess a co front man, in uh, Lawrence Gowan. So the band is Styx, and the tune is Grand Illusion from the same-titled album. Yeah. Uh, and I think we had, uh, we had a fair bit of fun listening to Styx in the 80s, didn't we? Did we ever? Did we ever, you know, there was sort of that, uh,
0: band that was sort of sitting on the edge of, you know, the progressive rock thing. You know, they were still a, you know, hit, you know, turning out the hits and what have you, but they, they definitely had some, some progressive writing and some, some instrumentation that was, uh, uh, terrific and what have you. So thanks for listening to, uh, year one, episode two, and, and the interview with, uh, Rob Driscoll from bigmedia.ca. So we'll take you out with Grand Illusion.